Hello, I'm Harold and welcome to the 9320 Friday show, the show that is keen to get out in the Manchester sun before it gets dark at 2pm. As always, we've got a bumper show in store for you, looking back at another interesting week, previewing the big game at the weekend with an opposition view too, and more besides cup draws and all that. To discuss all this, hopefully in under two hours, I'm delighted to be joined by two non-porcelain big hitters. It's Lloyd and Jordan. Uh, good afternoon, Lloyd. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, I don't know what you mean by non-porcelain, though, but um, but I'm well. It's, you know, bank holiday coming up, so can't really complain from that front. Weather's all right. Jordan, Jordan, what did I say to your fair... Uh, my niche jokes are just missed by most people. Yeah, so. they go straight over people's heads. That's what you said. That's two Angel Di intelligent people. Two Angel Di Maria jokes in that intro, and I don't I think they've gone right over your head. Uh, do you not <laughs> see Lloyd what she's been saying about Manchester? So um, somehow, how my reading doesn't extend to what Di Maria's missus is saying about Manchester. So oh, right. well, you miss it. You're missing out big time, so... so. To give you a flavour, Lloyd, just think Nolito when he left City about what he said about his daughter changing colour. It was a, very much of the same ilk, but a lot stronger. Mm. And the food, the usual food comments. It's weird how yeah. Argentinians just can't find good food in, in Manchester. It's there like, might be a gap in the market there. Well, I don't know. They're just it's going also for... just painfully not true. There's loads of good places to <laughs> yeah, eat in Manchester. Three at least. Must be going to... <laughs> Ben Brazil. KFC, Mackey's and Ben Brazil. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just for the record, Jordan, do you know what time it... Here's a quiz question for the day. What time does it go dark on the shortest day of the year in Manchester? Because I had to look it up. I was so angry. Well, you did say two o'clock in your intro, so I'm tempted to go for that, but it feels like way too early. So I'd go... I'd go 3.15. Let's go 3.15. No, 2 o'clock's what she said, basically. Oh, right. Oh, right. Fine. Oh, well, that that one went straight over my head as well, Howard. We're doing well. uh, (laughs) um, I would say... I'd say quarter past four. Quarter past four. What about you, Lloyd? 3.50. Yeah, spot on. Lloyd, well done. Oh, hello, boys. Definitely Googled that quickly. (laughs) Definitely didn't, to be fair. Definitely did. He's a minute out, but I'll give him that anyway. Oh, right, no. Jokes always work best when you have to explain them afterwards anyway, (laughs) so I'm I'm happy with that intro. Shall we look back at the week? (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Lloyd, I'm going to start with you. The Newcastle game, uh, my new catchphrase now will be every week. How do you feel about it now the dust has settled? Uh, Absolutely cracking match, but did you come out feeling good that we came back? Bad that we conceded three and had to come from two goals down for the third time in five games, or...? Somewhere in between. I was pretty happy. I thought a lot of the hysteria was a bit over the top, to be honest. Um, I mean, you know, bottom line, it was a great game. I enjoyed watching it. Um, It's pretty rare that City go, you know, a few goals down and end up coming back to get anything. I know, obviously, West Ham and Villa, we've managed to do that. But before that, I think the record that we had in the Premier League was, was horrific, if not non-existent. So... Um, I know I saw a lot of good stuff um, but I think I, I thought you guys nailed it on the review really like often it, what gets what gets really lost yeah I know you better you better look after that because there aren't many of those coming your way <laughs> <laughs> sampled um, I, I, I think what often gets really lost is you know sometimes we lose or draw because we don't play well but mm. sometimes another team has a 
genuine nine out of ten game. Yeah. And in San Maximan, I think it I mean that's close to like a all he needed to do was score. Um he absolutely he was just amazing. Uh, just Paul Walker and you on in a way that, you know, Vinicius didn't manage, Mbappe hasn't managed it, Neymar's not managed it, you know, it was it was kinda crazy. Um and Joe Willett completely skinned him as well for pace, which was also ridiculous. So, um, yeah, look, you know, I don't think Rodri had a great game. Fort Walker struggled, obviously. Um, thought the midfield got bypassed a bit easily, but I thought we still saw loads of good stuff. And I think bottom line was they played unbelievably well. And, um, you know, when Trippier sticks one in the top corner like that from 30 yards, I mean, there's not really yeah. much you can do. So, actually, I kind of, obviously, I, I came away thinking, oh, we should have got the fourth goal and you know I think Haaland probably should have scored kind of near, near the end but there's a lot of there's a lot of positive stuff to take there and I think you know there are going to be not as many not that many harder places to go away this year than St James's mm. uh, Jordan your thoughts and poor performances at least in the first half you know many of them the poor performance improved in second half was it due to players or system and especially Walker being out in the middle and giving Sam maximum uh, space. But how did you feel about that match at the end? Yeah, I, I agree with Lloyd to an extent. Um, I think when you go 3-1 down to come away with a point anywhere in the Premier League, you've got to take, particularly in the second half. Um, I was disappointed that the Trippier red got overturned because mm. whether you think it's a red or not, I don't think it's a clear and obvious error um, to give one. And I think that maybe killed our momentum a little bit. With 20 minutes left, you'd back us to go and to go and uh, to score another goal against them. We had 21 shots, 10 on target. <laughs> so, and we, we scored three goals. I think when that happens, you should expect to win any game when you're Manchester City. Um, and as good as Newcastle were, and as good as St. Maximan was, uh, I think individual performances really did not help us at all. And from two of our most consistent players, Rodri, um, unfortunately, contributed to us losing the midfield battle in my opinion I thought they were really good in the middle with Bruno and um, Joe Linton and yeah Kyle I don't blame him too much because he didn't have much protection at all on that right side even though Bernardo was playing there and also he was playing out of position really um, so mixed emotions would take a point from a losing position but I don't really buy that it's going to be one of the hardest places to go this year. I've seen a lot of people say it's in the top top five aways. Yeah. But for me, I'd, 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 no, let me finish, Lloyd. I'd rather go away to St. James's Park than yeah. to Stamford Bridge, than to Anfield, than to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, even to Old Trafford, because we saw what they could do when they've got a great atmosphere on Monday night. It will be a tough place to go. However, when you score the first goal there, and you're in a position where you can can get the win and control the game, I think it's disappointing not to get it. So, tough place to go, but ultimately, I, I don't really buy that it's a place where we should be happy with a point from the off. Yeah, but as I say, from 3-1 down, I'll take a point, no problem. Well, Lloyd, it was literally going to be my next question to you anyway, so you've got the right to reply now. Fantastic. Um, so, I don't think anyone's saying that we were happy with a point from the off, though. Um, and I think you're right, like, outside of the top six... Yeah, obviously it's not as difficult as that, but I would wager that we will go away to a top six team this season and not, and the team will not play as well or give us as much of a test as Newcastle did there. 
I thought they were absolutely quality. And like, for, you know, for their level, you know, obviously all of those other top six teams have got a much higher level than Newcastle if they play well. But, you know, just think back to some of the games last year. Like, th- remember the game at Stamford Bridge with Chelsea? I'm not sure they had a shot on target. Um, so, yeah, I, I, know what you, I know what you're saying um, in that, you know, it's probably more difficult to go to Anfield, you know, uh, Old Trafford, you know, Spurs Stadium, etc. But I thought they played really well. And I think yeah, they did. Clearly, I, do, clearly, I do agree. Clearly, they are so much better set up this season um, or well at least since January and you know Eddie Howe's biggest problem when he was Bournemouth manager is he couldn't organise a team defensively and they'd get slapped willy-nilly well I think he's very evidently sorted that out I know we um, scored three against him at the weekend but it was two clean sheets before that and they kept the most clean sheets in the league behind us um, from January onwards last season so I think they're going to be relatively tough not to crack and you know it looks like they've like signed this Isaac guy as well. So I think they're you know they're, yeah, they're definitely I'm, building. I think in this calendar year they're about fourth, aren't they, in points in the Premier League? So yeah, and then no, but, I, I agree with what Lloyd said totally. I, I really do. I just think that um, from a winning position there, and also yes, the crowd were right up for it, but we sort of allowed them to get up for it. They they played very well, but our individual mistakes cost us. Um, and I'm not I'm not trying to belittle Newcastle. I just don't think that it's going to be that hard a place to go this year for for the other top six teams. I just think we allowed them to make it that sort of battle. Um, but yeah, fair play, fair play to them. They played well. Time will tell, I guess. How, yeah, be interesting the next time they have you know big games at home just to see how they do because mm. they I think they're they're still building, of course, and I don't yeah. They've got Isaac's coming in, almost done deal. The first, yeah, the big defensive, basically reinforcements. The rest previously joined the summer. I, I think they'll be you know, rushing to get some attacking players in now. It will be interesting to see. Their form's excellent. Is it the idea how it affects and honeymoon period, or can they push on now and actually be in European football next season? And this, it's not all black and white, is it? It was neither a terrible performance nor an absolutely amazing performance, but I don't think you should be coming away after drawing at Newcastle early in the season and just be particularly disappointed. We obviously kind of expect to win most games, but it's neither terrible nor amazing. So just ask you, Jordan, then, just looking at the other results last weekend, I say it every year and I said it last week and I'm proven wrong every single year that this year the Premier League is going to be far more competitive and you won't need 90 points plus uh, to win the league and I look at the Newcastle game a bit like that in you know it could be a pointer to the future and other results like Leeds beating Chelsea or it could just be early season madness but looking at some of the transfer business as well Paqueta is just in talks with West Ham I don't know if it go through Isaac going to Newcastle just more big names attacking exciting players come to the Premier League Am I going to be proven wrong again that this is the most competitive? This could be the most competitive Premier League in many, many years, and that it's not going to be a one or two horse race where someone runs away with it, or just generally as well for the top six? And you know, I thought basically what I'm asking is, could it be a season where plenty of teams could take points off the likes of City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and more? I think so. Um, I think it's fair to say at this stage. The players that you've mentioned, Paqueta and Isak, are top quality, probably Champions League quality players. 
Um, and then you've got the likes of Wolf signing Mateus Nunes. There's so many talented players in Palace's side, for example, this weekend um, who can hurt you. So I, I think it's a fair comment to make at this stage. And also, I think the World Cup might have a part to play this year as well in that the big sides will lose a lot of their players to go to the World Cup. And uh, the sides below them will probably have far more players getting a nice rest in the middle of the season. Because what we do tend to see after the start and the initial madness is that the teams with the bigger squads are able to build up a little bit of consistency and go on runs as City tend to do. And we, we've spoken about City's fitness methods in hitting peak fitness at the right time in the season. I do think the World Cup is going to interfere with that for a few of the bigger sides. Um, yeah, a few a few shock results early on in the season. It does happen. Um, a few years ago, we lost 5-2 at home to Leicester and then drew away at Leeds and still went on to win the league after going on a 20-game unbeaten run. So it's still very early to say, but given the quality that is now in the league, I've seen a few people make the comment that the Premier League is the Super League after all, but it, it's not that far away because that the money that these sides are able to spend is just as much as the teams who finish in third or fourth in Serie A and La Liga. It, it's unbelievable quality in the Premier League at the moment. Bruno Guimaraes, for example, at Newcastle already is just, he is a Champions League quality midfielder. There's mm. no doubt about it. Um, it's going to be an interesting one. We, we do say it every year and I'm guilty of doing the same thing, Howard. Um, but until you're proven wrong, I, I think it's a fair comment to make. Yeah, everyone forgets to say it anyway. So <laughs> by the end of the season. <laughs> it's a long season. Lloyd, do you still look at Liverpool as City's title rivals when you're looking at results at the weekend? Because... Yeah. If you do, that was a good weekend for City last weekend. Well, it's been a great start for us, to be honest. Bet you were cheering those United goals in, weren't you? I mean, Monday night was just the biggest win-win ever. <laughs> yeah. I, I know everyone was saying it, but you know, all three results were a tap-in for us. Um, and you know, tennis balls on the pitch was a tap-in. Scousers getting beat was a tap-in. A draw would have been great. Like you know, we we literally couldn't lose. It was great. Uh, and actually. In a way, like I quite like Rashford and Sancho. I know they play for United, so like for for any any kind of player to have a slight redemption, you know that was probably that was probably the best case scenario with Liverpool taking another hmm. another L and looking pretty crap. So yeah, I still think they're our biggest title rivals. Um, I think I probably slightly overestimated where they're at at the beginning of the season which is natural and probably slightly underestimated maybe where we were at which is natural um but i don't really see i don't really see the others um keeping pace i mean i think if i've said that said it many times i think if you know city or and or liverpool can hit 90 points i don't see any of the other teams getting close to that i think at the point that we or liverpool drop the bar to like below 85 then maybe that's when like an Arsenal or a Spurs could come into it but I still think that's a pretty big stretch um, so you know if one of us can or both of us can keep that sort of similar pace of a like two and a half points a game then I don't I, I don't see the other the other teams competing at this stage hmm. okay well let's move on because the world who Newcastle wasn't the big game of the week. There was a much bigger game on Wednesday night. Uh, the friendly in Barcelona. The Spotify Arena. <laughs> Not the Joe Gamper trophy this time, was it? Uh, Jordan, what did you feel about this? Did it just feel like 
I mean, we may get to some Bernardo Silva chat who are, again, in this podcast, depends on the timing. But not just that, the season started doing a friendly, obviously for a brilliant cause, and it was said on previous podcasts, this is something that I think was delayed from COVID times. So it wasn't always planned to be played at this point. But leading up to it, did it feel like a really unnecessary game to be playing once the season started? Or did you see it in a more positive light as it arrived, that it gave gave us a chance as fans to see some players we've not seen much of and opportunities to get some match fitness into those same players as well. Well, I just need to refocus after hearing Lord say that he likes Sancho and Rashford playing well. Um, yeah. But that did make my face squirm. But yeah, he's I think... He's just an edge. He's just trying to be an edge lord. Yeah, he's just trying to please everyone. Um, <laughs> but I think... You know what I meant. <laughs> a no. bit of no i absolutely didn't i'd never be rude enough to say you're mad during someone's answer but it came to my head um but yeah i think you've covered both bases there howard pretty well in that it's a fantastic cause and it goes without saying that it's just far bigger than football in raising money for mnd uh so we got to look at it outside of the scope of what it actually means and what it really means for city's footballing season and the players developments of course, seeing Rico Lewis and Sergio Gomez uh, make his debut in front of 90,000 people at the new Camp was great. And I actually, as much as I dreaded the friendly going into it and turned my nose up when it was announced, when the game started, I actually put a message on our group chat and said, Do you know what, I'm actually quite happy that we're playing this game. It's nice to see these players who need a bit of rhythm, as Pep would say, get those minutes in an ultra competitive environment against a very, very good side. Um, However, the biggest risk of course is injuries and the friendly going outside of just that one night on the Wednesday and having an effect on the rest of the season. So to see, you know, Mbete's injury looks bad, the concussion, and I'm glad to hear he's, seems to be doing well. Seems to be okay, yeah. Yeah, um, but that wouldn't really have a lasting effect on our season. The Phillips one, however, is very concerning. And Lloyd tweeted that he has injured his shoulder on two occasions for Leeds and has been out for at least somewhat significant period of time. And given we've sold Romeo Lavia to Southampton and seem to be just getting rid of all of our youth players, either on loan or for fees we are very light in midfield so that now if Rodri gets injured, let's, we don't know the extent of the Phillips injury, but I think Lloyd said that he'd been out for six weeks before. If Rodri picks up an injury in this period, then we are looking at Gundogan as a six or some other plan, I think. Um, so that's that was always the risk going into it. It wasn't played like a friendly match, I don't think. There were a lot of tactical fouls and both sides wanted wanted the win. Um, there were positives in, as I say, Rico Lewis, Sergio Gomez, seeing Wilson Esbrand as well come on and getting Cole Palmer 90 minutes because that that feels like ages since we've actually seen him with mm. a significant period of time on the pitch. Um, the, the Phillips injury is concerning and that, that was always well, going to be the risk going into it. As we speak, we're two minutes away from the press conference starting. So by the end of this show, I may have more info for you. We should have an answer, yeah. My hunch is it's not that serious at all. But. Yeah. What the hunches count for? Yeah, there's <laughs> been some news coming out, hadn't there? That I don't know, more spasm or something. But yeah, we'll come back to that. Uh, I'm sure there'll be information uh, in the press conference. Lloyd yourself, did you watch the match? Was it how big an ex- 
how big an experience is it for Lars Copa? You know, to be playing and scoring in front of ninety thousand people. Did it in the end? Did it did it end up as a positive thing that happened for you for City to uh, to play this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought I was exactly the same as Jordan. I thought, you know what, we've played a pretty similar team in the first three games. We haven't had like a cup game yet. Um, so there are a lot of players there that just haven't been able to get some minutes. So I actually thought, you know, there's obviously an injury risk, but it was really good for like the kind of second string guys to get a run out. And, you know, for people like Bernardo as well, because I know he played 90 at the, at the, or I think he played 90, didn't he? Played the full game at the weekend. Hadn't really played that much in the other two. Phillips had hardly played at all. I think he had came off the bench in one game. Palmer, pretty much exactly the same. So, no, I was I was quite happy with it. I couldn't watch all of it because I was working. Um, but from what I could see, I saw some pretty good stuff. I quite like Gomez going down the outside. He's obviously technically very good. I don't think anyone had any doubts about that. I think yeah. the question will be, can he defend one-on-one? Um, but it's good to have that option, particularly with... I do think that'll help Grealish. Um, and... Palmer looked a bit hot and cold, like some really good stuff, some really poor stuff. But like Jordan said, again, he's not really, he's hardly strung a number of games together recently, particularly not, um, you know, three or four on the bounce. So it'd be good to see him stay fit now and and try and get some minutes because I do think he can he can contribute if that's the case. Yeah. And the less said about the penalty at the end, the better, eh, Jordan? <laughs> do you think there'd been a an agreement made before that this game was a draw because if that had happened in a competitive match come on that's not a penalty is it I, I can't believe Harlan's dived in an MND charity match no. <laughs> and there was definitely a tiny tiny clip but it wasn't a penalty um, what we could draw from the penalty though however if we want to talk about things seriously in the future of our season is Mares still being our number one penalty taker potentially mm. given that Harland was on the pitch um, Mares stepped up and it was a beautiful penalty um, however I had a little bit of a debate on Twitter with um, one of the guys from City Report Nabil and said because he said that he's brilliant at penalties and I said well only if they're not to actually win matches because the two that stand out in my mind for Mares and will always stand out are Anfield away and West Ham the penultimate game of last season, two to two massive penalties, both missed. And at the moment, I'm not sure about you guys, I feel more confident with Harlan stepping up. I do, but you've chosen two penalties three years apart and every penalty in between was scored. So True, but does not the a huge amount of them. Yeah, but yeah, you forget some of them watching the City documentary and mm. he gets the equaliser at the Emirates, yeah. Without which there is not the the most one of the most brilliant moments of the season when Rodri <laughs> scores at the end. Uh, so yeah, yeah. equalises as much as anything. So they as always, if the yeah, if the West Ham keeper goes either way, it's a good, it's a good penalty yeah, kick. Yeah, he's not, he he's not one of the greats. Obviously, we we don't. I don't know. I don't. Holland's missed two out of thirty. I think so. I would prefer him. Yes. I don't know if it happened just because it was the end of a friendly and. Mara's stepped up and no one's going to argue over it or we have seen something, but absolutely I would prefer Haaland nevertheless. But I don't think, I mean, the, the one about the one at Anfield is that, well, I, I'm only annoyed by a bad penalty if it misses the target completely. That 
that really annoys me. Always hit the target, and if it gets saved, fair enough. But yeah, yeah, uh, we will see. Right, we have to move on. Uh, cup draws, and let's talk about the big one, the Carabao Cup, of course. <laughs> uh, it was, I think it was during this friendly one, sir. So I should yeah. just say for the friendly, uh, I, uh, Dave Waite, their friend of the show, was over from America and was desperate to watch the match, so a certain pub, which wasn't very nice. Uh, we went in, it didn't uh, didn't end up uh, being played, so we ended up going somewhere else and saw the second half eventually. So, uh, But most, everywhere in town was dominated by the Rangers match, basically. So just shows we're just not big enough yet. So, yeah. uh, But it seems City Plus wasn't working for a lot of people anyway, so nothing changes, does it? So, yeah, that same evening... Lloyd, Cup draw, Chelsea, um, Carabao, I assume it's in November. This is not really a draw that suits either teams, is it, or what, what we really needed. I just wonder, obviously, we let go of the uh, of our crown last season. Is this competition going to be even lower priority this season? Because, let's not forget, there is, I think, the round after, or certainly one of the rounds is basically a few days after the World Cup final ends, just before Christmas. So I think more than ever, this is a cup competition where you're going to have to play youth and players needing match fitness. And it'll be, it could be two very strange lineups when these teams play each other. Yeah, so I think it's four days before the World Cup starts or... <laughs> Yeah. Um, before well no before like the teams leave to go um, right. on you know international whatever you call it to go with to go with the managers and the squads yeah. um, I mean I think it suits Chelsea more than it does us because they've just got a massive squad um, and I, you know they, and by that I mean they've got a lot of senior internationals and senior players who they just haven't as of yet managed to shift out whereas I think Everyone listening to this podcast knows from a senior perspective, you know, City have got a really good 17, 18, but that is literally it. And, you know, even today it sounds like we're sending Mbete on loan to Huddersfield. So mm. we are incredibly light when it comes to players that would probably play in these games. So I think it really depends on injuries in a couple of months. I think if we've got a few injuries, there's probably a good chance Pep plays potentially an EDS 11 um, he would never do that I don't know I mean I mean you say that Howard but if, if we've got <laughs> if we've got four or five injuries or look at Liverpool at the moment Liverpool have got nine senior injuries right yeah um, would you want to be playing your first 11 team which is basically which only for City if we had that many injuries or say seven injuries we've only got 18 fit outfield um, senior players in the squad so if we were carrying seven injuries I could not see Pep playing just the other ten with a goalie to, to cover all bases I think he'd be bringing in you know Lewis Wilson and then whoever else literally we can pluck Oscar Bob whatever um, it's just not going to be a priority and you know if you think I think the other thing is are the players you know are they going to if you say to Kev or Kev do you fancy playing exactly, third round yeah. at home uh, he's going to you know, they're obviously just not going to be asked by that. So I, I do actually think it points to a really probably poor game, which will kind of massively denigrate the competition. Mm. Our EDS against Chelsea again, maybe the return leg. 
Aye. If you remember Pellegrini's oh, when we lost 5 1 and David Valpala scored. But equalise. Surely <laughs> many of their squad will still be on. You know, you say you've got a big squad, but m- many of them will still be on World Cup duty, even the non first teamers. So, Jordan, do you, do you think there'll be a real reluctance from senior players to want to play in this game? It's hard to say really without being one of them because, you know, knowing City and Pep, we don't tend to rest players that frequently regardless of the competition. And also these players do generally want to play. However, just before a World Cup, which comes around once every four years, um, I would totally understand De Bruyne thinking, well, I don't really want to play in this game. Um, obviously, that <laughs> if, if he holds out on that it might be a violation of a contract so I can't see them being particularly strong on it but I would understand that Pep is as we've seen during the summer with his comments about Bernardo Silva his understanding of um, human desires and I would understand if those players didn't want to play and Pep thought okay well we'll we'll try and go as risk-free as possible however I do not think that we're going to see a Pellegrini at Chelsea 11 sort of thing no, I just involving think, the whole EDS side I just think well, the tempo of the match could be pretty pedestrian to be honest but we will see right suits us only joking the big one was the Champions League draw yeah <laughs> so I'll stay with you Jordan Sevilla Borussia Dortmund FC Copenhagen happy with that it's yeah. it's great for the away game travellers for starters uh, I know Dortmund were done before and I, I was Shakhtar Donetsk were were in there, floating around now. Of course, they're not playing. They're playing in Warsaw now, I think. So it wouldn't have been, would have been a different experience anyway. Yeah, a lot of the the usual suspects were floating around, and we played Sevilla before. But having been to Seville, Seville last November, you can't, you cannot complain about picking them. Yeah. Uh, if you actually want somewhere beautiful to go, and it's not just about the cheapest beer possible. So how do you feel about that draw anyway? Yeah. I don't think you can ask for a much better draw, to be honest. I think it was a really good draw. Dortmund, as you say, for the away day goers, Sevilla and Copenhagen, even though it'll be freezing and very expensive, two fantastic places to go. Um, But from a footballing perspective, we've taken Dortmund's best player off them. uh, So that's a great start. And the guy that they replaced him with is unfortunately out for an indefinite period, uh, Sebastian Allaire. And Get well soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's really sad to hear that. Um, but they, they've started the season okay. Two wins out of three, but their most recent game against Werder Bremen, they were 2-0 up going into the 89th minute and managed to lose 3-2. So that's, that's obviously ominous for them. Uh, Sevilla have started the season with a draw and a loss to Valladolid was the loss. Uh, was the draw, sorry, and Osasuna was the draw I believe so not a great start from them and Copenhagen are sixth in the Danish Superliga three wins and three losses from the first six games obviously time plenty of time for that to change and they will raise a game to play Manchester City but three teams there who you would expect to probably beat home and away and one other point we have a bit of a testimonial affair with Sevilla because they've got a few of our former players so we've got (laughs) Jesus Navas we have got Karim Rekic, if you remember him, played for our EDS, captain them. We have Fernando and honorary blue, Isco. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so that, that should be fun. <laughs> Very yeah. good. And we did we played Copenhagen, didn't we, in the 8-08-09 season in the Europa League, I think. So Yeah. I see. Also, a bell. Yeah, what? David Silva's got a uh, match. Or was it Alborg? We, we played 
them as well. Yeah, we did it. Some, yeah, my memory from yeah <laughs> the, the the pre-Champions League games. My memory's fuzzy, but yeah, definitely Alborg. Yeah, yeah it's been to Denmark before, so but well, it's a great city. So Dortmund obviously to be a cracking atmosphere. Lloyd, how do you feel about it as well? Uh, absolutely mm. ridiculous that we don't even know the dates yet. Seeing the first leg is about what twelve days away, so that's Perfect. not 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 very ideal, is it? So, but the draw itself. I'm quite happy myself to avoid the two Scottish teams because they can, I don't know. I mean, I'm going over the top there because I think we're far better equipped to deal with yeah, you know, an away game at Celtic or Rangers than we were when we drew three all there. But still, it it, yeah, it can be, the atmosphere can make a big difference. So, oh, for they sure. love their European home nights, obviously. So it's, it's, it's a nice draw for City, is it not? So. I echo pretty much everything Jordan said. I think it's, it's pretty much perfect. We haven't we haven't drawn anyone from a footballing perspective that I think we've got to really lose sleep over, like a, a giant. Um, from an away day perspective, I mean, it doesn't get any better. <laughs> you've got, you've got you've got your pick between kind of uh, in slightly industrial Germany, really good beer, then um, like nice late kind of winters, bit of sun in Sevilla. Bit of sangria, and then you, if you, you know, if you want to throw a bit of money around, then you can pop up to Copenhagen, um, and you know be- that's meant to be a beautiful city. I've never been, so yeah, ridiculous and ideal. Um, I was just glad that we didn't like, like you say, get someone that would really kind of give you, you know, a tough game. I, I was also thinking Barca, to be honest. I know, yeah, t- pot two was. Pretty loaded to be pretty honest. stacked, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Or one of, like you said, one of the one of the Scottish teams. Just someone who you just know it's going to be difficult for reasons that might not necessarily be, you know, necessarily completely obvious. So perfect draw. Um, I'm going to be trying to go to some of those away games, hopefully. Excellent. And then, as you said on the first on the first game, well, thankfully there's loads of trains between London and Manchester, so I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll just wait for that uh, for that date to drop. <laughs> uh, Jordan, the Harlem back to Dortmund narrative is it the most tedious one of the week? <laughs> Do you care in the slightest? No. I mean, big for him, but really, yeah, it's a game of football or two games at the end of the day, is it not? So. Yeah, and it's not like Ronaldo returning to Old Trafford with Real Madrid or Lampard returning to Stamford Bridge with City. You know, it's he was there for a couple of years, did a great job. Good relationship with the fans, had a nice farewell to them. He goes back, you know, he's, he's only 22. It's not like he's been there for his whole career. His career's mm. only just started. Exactly, yeah. I'm loath to ask, Lloyd, but to finish part one. Oh, here we go. Do you want to talk about Bernardo Silva? I thought Can I just it... interject, Howard? Yeah. Uh, we've got some breaking news. Uh, Bernardo Silva will stay at Man City, Pep Guardiola confirms. Ha! Huh, right, so, that's the end of part one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just uh, seen it on City Extra. So, yeah. uh, how, it- how happy are you with it? Honestly, the, the reports again this week. I he was contra- why was Pep Guardiola talking about it again? Anyway, that contradicting everything. Oh, uh, yeah. I thought it was it cheeky or Ferran who was talking about it. Saying Ferran, yeah, fan is, yeah, definitely. He's just twerking for Barca, mate. He's just twerking yeah. for Barca. Obviously. I mean, here. Yeah. Just why? Why just just say no? I've spoken about it. He's a city player. It's just so so tedious. Like even now, even now he said this. I know that 
the Barca PR machine will still be putting stuff out for the week. I can't wait for this transfer window to end. It's just like, it is staggeringly boring, isn't it, Lloyd? Like, I, all I, know, I was I know, about to say you're a massive warrier and he's going to stay and it's all going to no, be fine. I'm so. not, seriously, I've been happy to ignore it all, but it, every time I go on Twitter, there's 78 people talking about it. It's like, just see what happens. You know, it's, uh, look, all, what I do know is obviously he did put his flat on. He, he, we all know that he wants to go to Barcelona. He'd like to live there for lifestyle reasons. He did put his empty his flat out a few months ago. Uh, he's, he's living at Cancelo's house now because of, of course, because of the uh, horrible uh, burglary that he's that happened there. Uh, Cancelo, his wife certainly doesn't live won't live there anymore. So I'm not sure if Cancelo won't be either. So he's been he's been there for a bit. I know he's. His uh, partner absolutely detests the Manchester weather. What's new <laughs> with uh, players at City? From uh, it's boiling. I don't know what from, she's talking about. Know, it's so yeah. hot. She's probably talking last year. It's probably actually now too hot for her, so she yeah. wants to leave for that reason. <laughs> so we all know the yeah that he would be open to to leave. But yeah, it's all been pretty tedious stuff, and it'd be good to put it to bed, won't it? Oh, I mean, Pep's put it to bed, so. Yeah, well, but but why didn't he earlier? The thing why is, the hysteria was caused by him every time, saying, "Well, if I know he wants to go, and if we get an offer, he can go." Just just say, "I I don't want to talk about it anymore." I've said all there is to say. There wasn't yeah. more to say. He's no, just created he's... hysteria. No, you're well, right. Finally, you're right. he's not. You're right. But someone's obviously had a word in his ear and said, "Stop, stop twerking. Pull your skirt up, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Pull your skirt, right? Right. On that note. <laughs> on that note, on that bombshell, yeah, uh, we're definitely not talking about Bernardo Silva anymore, unless you, unless we're talking team news for the, the match this weekend. That's the end of part one. Uh, yesterday, prior to the Champions League draw, I spoke to Palace fan about Crystal Palace and the game coming up this weekend, how they're doing, and a lot more besides. I'm delighted to be joined by Dan, a.k.a. HLTCO. Hope I got that right. If you're on Twitter to discuss all things Crystal Palace, uh, hello Dan, how you doing? Hi Howard, how are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Well into the season now, so the stress is back. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, rocking and rolling, mate. Rocking and rolling. Yeah, I think if we talk Crystal Palace, I think the first question I was going to ask you is: uh, Does it feel good to be a Palace fan right now? I think it probably, I don't want to over-egg the pudding, but I mean, as a 33-year-old guy, I think it's probably my favourite time ever to be a mm. Palace fan, to be honest. I, I know that sounds a little bit over the top to some people, maybe, because what well, are we three games in and four points on the board, but the entire feel around a football club at the moment is just as good as I can ever remember it. You know, I think we are an established Premier League side. We've got a manager that understands South London and the mentality that the fans want. We've got an exciting group of players and, and we're playing free-flowing football. It, it all seems to be on the up. So you just assume that, that something is around the corner that's going to come crashing down on us, really. Yeah. Uh, no, maybe not. So maybe this is going to be different. Obviously, a lot of that optimism comes from the manager. So... Most stupid question of the day, probably. Uh, how good the job has Patrick Vieira done? Has he surprised you as well at how he's done? I think, unquestionably, he has surprised us. You know, it was a little bit strange when he arrived because, mm. obviously, you had that prolonged period with Roy Hodgson in charge and I think we've become a little bit pigeonholed in, in many people's minds as a club that should just be pleased to tread water. 
Uh, and it was difficult when he when he left because, I mean, myself and a lot of other Palace fans, it's not that we weren't grateful for what Roy Hodgson brought to the club in terms of stability and, and Premier League status for a prolonged period of time. But it got to a point where the football was draining you of all the enthusiasm. And there has to be, in my mind, a, a payoff between pragmatism and actually enjoying going to watch your team week after week. I'm not suggesting we would have taken relegation, but I think we had to roll the dice a little bit in terms of the style of play. Um, and obviously, when Patrick Vieira came in, it was a gamble. It was his first job as a manager in England. But he has worked wonders, to be quite honest with you, because we, we just seem to have a real togetherness that is mixed with... I don't know whether I can swear on this podcast. You can, um, yes. I can. Well, so on Monday, obviously we, we beat Aston Villa at the weekend. It was a fantastic performance and it's not something I normally even do on my own pod, but I just said, you know, for me, the team is playing with bollocks now and, and that's not something that I've been used to or many Palace fans have been used to throughout the Premier League era because we've just sort of been happy to float around between 16th and 11th and just not make up the numbers, but just be happy to be there. And I think now there is a degree of, of forward momentum that could see us sort of trouble the top half this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you, your aspirations for the season, do you have any or just I see mean, how it goes? I, I don't like putting sort of expectations on us because, I mean, for my money this year, I mean, obviously it's early days, but I said on Twitter over the weekend, I'm based on really watching the game at Newcastle between Newcastle and yourselves, the strength in depth and, and the different tactical identities that exist across the Premier League this season are for me the strongest I can remember. You know, you've got us, you've got Brighton, as much as I hate to say that, you've got Newcastle looking upwardly mobile, there's clubs spending a lot of money, there's there's different tactical identities that are sort of forming below what you would class as the bigger clubs in the league. And I think with that in mind, it's difficult to make outlandish predictions for where we can be. But I think the top half finish is genuinely you know, realistic for us, given the amount of quality we've got, particularly in the final third going forward. I was going to suggest a, a good cup run as well, but... Uh, well, yeah. I mean, about cup nice. last, yeah, last night. Yeah, Newcastle away, not the best. City get Chelsea. Not the best, no. No. But I mean, think, I, think I actually take it seriously well, that competition. I, 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 to be honest, the the cup attitude that Patrick Vieira has got has has really pleased me because it's not just a case of you know we want to go and try and win these competitions, and it, it's once again no criticism of Roy Hodgson here. He had to do what he had to do in terms of managing the squad and making sure that the primary objective of, of Premier League safety was secure year after year, but. We are a club now that, that try and win every game. I know that sounds ridiculous, but often in the early rounds of the cup, particularly when Roy was here, he put out a weak side. And if we got through, we got through, but it wasn't really a priority for him. Whereas you can guarantee that Vieira will put a strong side out up at Newcastle. It won't just be a case of, you know, we'll see how we go. It will try and win the game. And if we do and you get rewarded with an easier tie in the fourth round, all of a sudden, momentum starts to build. And I think his whole thing is is trying to create that winning mentality at the football club because as far as he's concerned, it breeds more confidence and confidence breeds more wins. Mm. Now, uh, not a huge amount, I think, of uh, summer transfer activity, but does the, f- the team feel stronger anyway uh, um, going into the season than it has in previous seasons? 
I mean, I've said to, to numerous people since the end of last season, it, it was quite funny to me because we've spent four or five years with every neutral pretty much saying that Wilfred Zaha is Crystal Palace and we're this one-man team. Mm. And then Conor Gallagher came in and he was such an energetic force in the middle of the park that all of a sudden he's left and you've got people saying, well, Palace will struggle now they haven't got Conor Gallagher. Yeah. Uh, and that is understandable if you sort of watch us four or five times a season and, and you see what he has done. Um, but I think the arrival of Czech Decore at the base of the midfield is hopefully going to enable Ibiraeze to really flourish in more of a, a number 10 role. Because for my money, he didn't really work particularly well in a midfield with Conor Gallagher because they were sort of getting in one another's way. Uh, and at the start of last season, Eze wasn't fully fit. He was recovering from a long-term injury that he picked up at the back end of Roy Hodgson's time in charge. So it took him a little while to get fully up and running. But I think with the Decore as a more out-and-out defensive-minded midfielder, we should, in essence, see Ibiraeze flourish far more. And in many ways, it, it changes the way the midfield works, but not for the worse, in my opinion. Yeah, we did a podcast on players to look out for this season. I don't know if it's just signings or not, but I put Ducore on there. So hopefully mm. <laughs> one of my predictions well, may he, actually come true. So has he started he, well? He is, he's still very raw. Like You, you mm. can tell watching him that he has all the, the tools necessary to to really flourish in a couple of years' time or even in six months. But, I mean, in the first two games, it's a bit of a baptism of fire, to be honest, our start to the season because Arsenal away on the first... No, sorry, at home on the first day, that's a side that, in my opinion, have been really boosted by the arrival of Zinchenko and Jesus from Manchester City. They've got this tactical identity under Arteta and they, they came to sell us bang up for it. We then went to Liverpool, got that point on the road obviously but in both games the Corre went down with cramp on about 70 minutes and I can only really put that down to the and this is no you know slight on the French league but the pace of play is nothing like the same as the Premier League week in week out so I'm hoping that with better conditioning you know he's got all of the, the necessary tools to be in the right place at the right time and read the game uh, satisfactorily it's just a case of him getting that fitness up to the level that's necessary for him to really impact. And I think against Aston Villa, he was fantastic in what you would say is more of a, a bread and butter fixture for us compared to those first two. Yeah. Uh, you talked about aspirations earlier. I saw you tweet this morning. By the time this goes out, it'll be Friday and the Champions League draw will have been done. I think it's five o'clock on the Thursday. Your aspiration remains one Europe, just one European tour to go on as a fan. Is that fair? Uh, yeah. To say, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds, once again, and uh, it's a bit strange talking to a City podcast about this because you've sort of got fan bases that, or a fan base that straggle, straddles both eras, if you yeah. know what I mean. You know, you've got City fans of 20 and below that all they know is this unprecedented success and fans of 40 and above that really do remember the difficult times. But as a Palace fan, the opportunity to just go to even if it's just free away games in Europe, it doesn't matter where they are, just see us compete in a you know an actual competition that has genuine you know reason behind it rather than just a pre-season friendly. It would be, I say, a dream come true. But I mean, I would kill for that. And I think last season, you saw the seriousness with which West Ham took Europe. I think Rangers have done fantastically over the last 12 months. And for me, it's sort of 
reignited everyone's understanding that just because it's not the Champions League, it doesn't mean you can't take it seriously as a club like ours that, that do have these aspirations of, of pushing our way up the table because with the best woman in the world, we're not going to be a Champions League side. So, you know, we have to take our chances where they come. Yeah, I'm not sure if the first time we got into Europe, it might be the first, it was through, actually through the Fair Play League. Uh, we got in at least once. Uh, but if you, if you had... Ask the older City fans, I think they'll say a lot of the best European trips weren't the Champions League ones, they were the the ones that preceded that in the Europa League or whatever it was called at that time. Mm. Trips to Denmark. Yeah, if Faroe Islands, I don't think many went there. Uh, but yeah, just the places you get to go to are just far more exciting than a European trip is a European trip, whatever the competition. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a Burnley fan reply to my tweet this morning and say that, you know, even though their European adventure, as you want to call it, was was short, his memories of those trips were fantastic. And I think it's something that sometimes you, you speak to Manchester United fans or Liverpool fans and they, they take it for granted. But when you've never had that before, you know, the beauty is in the struggle of trying to reach there. And if we can get there, then, you know, I will lap up every second. Yeah. Right, let's talk about the match uh, Saturday, 3 o'clock, which is nice. The obvious question is, can Crystal Palace go to league title holders and walk away with three points again? It's quite a sensible question to ask. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't want to make some mad proclamation that we're going to go there and, and play liquid football and, and win because even if you look back on last season, you know, the game did hinge on the red card. It, it hinged on a lot of solid defending from us, probably riding our luck at different points throughout the 90 minutes. But you can look towards the Liverpool performance as mm. not a carbon copy of it, but a good blueprint for how we approach these games. And I think that's something that, that Palace fans have really enjoyed with Patrick Vieira because it would be easy to just assume that post Roy Hodgson, he's created this free flowing attacking unit that can score at will and create numerous chances as we did against Aston Villa. But I think it shows that we do have multiple strings to our bow because we sat in very deep at times against Liverpool, scored a fantastic goal on a break uh, and managed to get that point. I suppose it could have been free given the red card and the fact we went in front. But I mean, the Manchester City game last season, we were 1-0 up. He brought on Michael Elise with five minutes to go and he played a huge part in our... There is still you know, a genuine belief that we can go forward and cause problems. It will be on the counter-attack if we manage to do it, but I think our previous record there is good enough to say that we can go there and hope that we can put in a performance good enough to get a point or three. Well, there's, was there any pointers you could take from the Newcastle match last week about how you could do damage to City? I think, I mean... You can look towards the St. Maximin performance in the first 45 minutes with, you know, the greatest of respect to St. Maximin. If he played like that every week, he'd be at Real Madrid. Um, but I suppose it shows that for all of the, the possession and dominance that Manchester City will have in the majority of their games, you know, it is going to come down to potentially catching you in transition. And I think without wanting to blow our own trumpet too much, we're probably one of the better sides, if not you know, one of the two or three best teams in the league when it comes to breaking with pace and, and quality. So hopefully those gaps do appear and, and we take our chances as and when they arise because I'm sure we will get a couple across the 90. Uh, traditional Louis Zaha chat. Uh, two questions. I assume he's 
it's now every summer you get the transfer gossip, which I'm sure is pretty damn annoying. Uh, looks like he's staying uh, for another year. Is he playing the best football of his career right now? Yeah, without a doubt, mate. I, I, he signed this five-year contract in 2018. He obviously has had numerous times where he's tried to get away, uh, but he's never down tools. And I think we're at this strange tipping point this summer where we know that, you know, if he doesn't sign a deal, which isn't looking likely, he's going to leave. And it, it will be a situation where come January, when he can sign a pre-contract agreement elsewhere, there will be numerous clubs knocking down his door, I'm sure. But at the same time, he is the best version of himself that I can remember. He's developed a real quality in terms of his finishing. He's done the same thing pretty much in back-to-back games at Liverpool against Aston Villa, where he's broken free down the left-hand side and then shot across the goalkeeper before they've had a chance to set themselves. And they're both superb finishes against Martinez and Alisson, which I think many, everyone can agree two top goalkeepers there. Yeah. Um, but he's sort of not really exerting energy where he doesn't have to anymore. Uh, and I think I actually said over pre-season that for me, he looks as hungry as I can remember him. And someone actually came back at me and said, how can you tell that? That's a ridiculous comment to make. But when he left for Manchester United, that was the same season that we got promoted and he came back on loan for the final four or five months. And you could just tell that he had this single-minded desire to get us promoted. And he did ridiculous things across that final six months. And I think if this is to be his last year, he will go above and beyond. I wouldn't back against him scoring 20 goals this season, to be honest with you, which if he does, I think it would put to bed any question marks or or scepticism people have about him having this lack of end product because to do what he's done for us in what at times has been a team with very little in the way of creative spark has been fantastic and all credit to him. Uh, City fans should really know (laughs) plenty of your team now, Uh, but who else should... uh be wary of that can make a difference in the game on Saturday well I think uh, I just I mean, at the back as well as going forward because obviously yeah you're you know, pretty electric going forward and I think we'll know quite a few of those players but a well organised team as well that could make the difference yeah it's funny you say that because I, I was literally about to say as much as you can mention the Zahars and the Elises and the Eze's mm. the, the two centre-backs Anderson and Gay have been a revelation for us because we do play on a counter, you know, there's no getting around it, particularly against sides as good as Manchester City, but the passing range that Anderson and Gay have, particularly Anderson, I mean, I don't know if you watched our first game of the season against Arsenal, but I think he no, completed something yeah. ridiculous, like 12 long passes all over 40 yards straight to the chest or feet of uh, one of the attacking lads. And, and having that comfort in possession, it just gives you the ability to build out from the back in a, in a cultured way if you see what I mean. We can yeah. go long, but it's not like the Wimbledon long ball where, you know, you're lumping it up to, I don't know, Carl Lieburn and he's knocking it down for a midfielder. It's very much a precise long ball. And I think, you know, that ability to sort of recycle and go again, it does give us real comfort in possession and a belief that as long as we do maintain a decent scoreline going into the final 20 or 30 minutes, there's every chance we can get a result. I was going to say, I was going to ask... Uh... Chances of Anderson trying to wind up Parliament during the match? Pretty high, I would say. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen the, the montage that was put together of him. Of, it was just, I, I know you shouldn't revel 
particularly in that sort of stuff because it should all be clean fun and everything else but if you want to call it dark arts you can call it that I just call it being a competent central defender particularly against the side like Liverpool away from home um, I, I would have thought and I can't say this for sure but I would have thought that Ar- Erling Haaland will take it in far better spirit than uh, Nunez did you know that's not me trying yeah. to pour scorn on Nunez I think it was just a, a bit of a rude awakening for him to the Premier League but I mean <sighs> I, I worry about our chances against City purely because of Haaland's arrival because you saw against West Ham, you know, if you play a high line, he's got the pace to get in behind and score at will. And if we sit deep, then you've got so much quality in the final third that he can just be there to prod the ball in. So it, it does sort of change the task somewhat. You know, if you go back to the nil-nil at Selhurst Park towards the end of last season between ourselves Manchester City, I think if Haaland had been playing that day, he'd have had two or three, given the number of balls you put across the box. So, mm. you know, we're going to have to ride our luck, but I think Anderson will do his best to, to get inside the head of Haaland, shall we say. He's, yeah, he's quite a cool customer, but who knows? Yeah, <laughs> it's all part of the game, of course, is it not? Yeah, those Exactly that. Yeah. Uh, do you think you will sit very deep for this match? Uh, I don't think anyone's going to beat how Bournemouth uh, <laughs> set up, to be honest, but... As I said, I don't think there's necessarily a correct way of approaching it, mm. and unless you go down the sort of Newcastle route of of just trying to meet fire with fire. But I mean, even in that game, you know, I'm watching that from a neutral perspective. They're three one up. It looks for all the world like they're going to go and and take the three points, and then just out of nowhere, you've come back to three three. Should have won it really at the end. So I think. You know, you do just have to starve this Manchester City side of oxygen in every single second. And I think if you, you switch off for the, the merest moment, they'll be on you. And I think, I mean, this isn't me trying to big up Liverpool on this podcast, far from it. But I do feel like there should be credit given to them for, for hanging on to your coattails, as it were, for so long. Because I, I, if anything, I can see you winning the title by 10 or 12 points this year, just because of the sheer relentlessness of, of your performances. Um and I think, you know, you can look towards Palace as a prime example with that, given the fact that we took four points off you last term. I don't expect anything like that this time around. So it's going to be a test, probably our biggest of the season in terms of man-for-man marking, yeah. I guess. It's going to be a fascinating match, to be honest. Yeah, I'm surprised, considering past results, that it is at three o'clock on a Saturday, but I'm not, well, yeah, I'm not complaining, I'd- to be honest. Our game against Brighton's been made at three o'clock on a Saturday and and the police don't (laughs) seem to realise that that is an absolutely terrible idea. But, you know, we Ah, live in life. Yeah. Well, yeah, just I found it pretty surprising. Liverpool United on a, or United Liverpool on a Monday night. But there you go. Who knows how they make these decisions? Sky TV schedules dominate a lot of that rather than common sense, unfortunately. Indeed. Right. You may not like this, but I like to end with a score prediction. So, uh, if it's all right with you, what's your score prediction for this match? Do, do you know what? I've done a couple of these already this season. And given the fact that we've already played Arsenal and we've already played Liverpool, on both times, I said, I cannot predict us to lose. I just refuse to do it because it's against my nature. Fair enough. Uh, so, I, I mean, I said prior to Liverpool that I backed us to win 1-0 on the break and we very nearly did so I will go exactly the same again because you never know it might actually work out this time so yeah 1-0 to Palace on the break probably around uh, 25 minutes in and we just hang on uh, by the skin of our teeth for the remaining 60 or so 
Let's hope you're disastrously wrong. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it'll be a tight Navy match, so I'll go for 2 1 to City. I don't, don't, certainly don't think we'll be running away with this one. So, uh, Because I think Newcastle showed as well, we're not quite there yet. We do tend to start seasons slowly anyway. So I'm very happy to have mm. seven points on the board, but I don't think you've seen Vintage City yet. And I, that could be like no. a month away. And often the time City hit their peak is when the World Cup will be this season. So, uh, yeah, I think it could be a close match. So, well, uh, There was a statistic that I saw, just to, to quickly interject. I think Vieira's managed 47 games now, and we've only lost by one goal on five or six occasions in every single time that has been against the side in the top six. Wow. So I think that really does show... You know how solid we've become. Obviously, you are a side in the top six. You're the reigning champions, but yeah. at the same time, you know you're not wrong to have a degree of trepidation about potentially running away with it because we do have the power to hurt people on the break. So yeah, hopefully that is the case. Well, from my perspective, at least. It'd be uh, remiss of me not to mention uh, what you do as a day job, uh, your podcast. So as you on, would you like to big up uh, your own podcast before we wrap this up? Thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, I, I record two podcasts every day, uh, Monday to Friday. One is completely Crystal Palace centric. The other is a general football podcast that, that covers the whole of the Premier League, the whole of the EFL, as well as uh, Serie A, La Liga, Bundesliga and Ligue 1. Um, it's a bit of a labour of love and it can be a bit difficult at times to, to keep it going, but I, I love what I do. Um, and hopefully, yeah, if anyone wants to listen, feel free to drop on the Patreon and, and give it a go. Yeah, and your tag on uh, Twitter is, is HLTCR, HLTCR, which stands Hopkin for Hopkin looking to curl one. <laughs> and, yeah, there's a story behind that, but uh, we've run out of time, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> people can look it up. Yeah. If play, anyone wants to ask me, feel free final, to. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right, Dan, thanks very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. No worries, Howard. And as always, as I say to every opposition fan, after this weekend, uh, hope you have a great season. So, uh, Same yeah. to you, same thanks, to you. Yeah, thanks very much. And yeah, time to get back to the panel and we will preview Saturday's game. Uh, thanks again to Dan for taking the time out to speak to me. And so let's end this show with a look at this weekend's match. Uh, Lloyd, I'm going to start with you. We all know our history in this fixture. Uh, apparently, City mm. have lost two. I can't remember. Was it Louis Steele who put it up off online? But City yeah. have lost two of like 55 home games at 3 p.m. And I don't need to tell you who those two were against. Uh, we all know the history in this fixture. This is the potential Panarski for sure. Uh, it's going to be a tough match this weekend, in your opinion. Absolutely, yeah. Um I think the thing is, Palace at their best are set up to play against City. Um, when they defend compactly, and particularly last season, I think when they had Gallagher, I think that's the slight difference to this season where I've got a little more confidence. Gallagher absolutely terrorised us in both games last season. He just waited and waited for the correct time to press. Obviously, completely had Laporte's pants down in the home game um, and did the same actually with Rodri. Uh, in the return leg, they just were in great shape. And then when, once they win the ball three on three, and you've got Conor Gallagher, um, you know, Wilfred Zahar, and I think in the first game might have been Eze, but obviously he had an injury. Whoever else was playing on the wing for them, probably Elise, running at you three on three, I mean, you're in, you're in pretty big trouble. And 
you know, you only had to watch the Liverpool Palace game the other night to see exactly what Zaha can do if you um if you give him one sniff. So I expect it'll be a really tough game. Yeah, they're better technically now under Vieira than they were obviously against Hodgson, and I think the difference is actually when Palace have done it more recently, and this is not just the City they deserve those results a lot more and they actually play well in the moments they have the ball. I always felt sometimes with Hodgson it was a bit of a smash and grab and it was just about kind of um, being ultra compact and then, you know, you'd fashion a chance out of nothing. Whereas I thought, I was just really impressed with how Vieira set them up in both games last season. And like I said, I think Gallagher's a big miss for them because they've been playing as a bit more centrally, but he just doesn't have that intensity off the ball. So... Long and short of it, I think it'll be a tough game. Um, you know, as always, going into any game against Palace, I'd probably expect us to win. Um, but, you know, we have struggled here before. And like I said, they have got weapons that can, you know, they've got the weapons that can really, really hurt us, particularly if we have similar problems to what we did against Newcastle in terms of those spaces in the middle and then down the outside of Walker and Cancelo. So, yeah, I think it could be a really tough game. And, I would not be confident in you know saying like a three four um, nil City win. Hmm. Jordan, as Lloyd alluded to, have Newcastle provided a template for Vieira this weekend? Has Palace at Liverpool showed us that they can do what they've done in the past again? Um, I don't really think so. I, I think I, well, I don't think there is a template to beating City because you don't really know how we're going to set up, mm-hmm. and that that's sort of dependent on having a. Uh, attacked it to beat us and also if there was a template to beat City then teams would be taking points off us every week <laughs> I, I, I think I think Newcastle was a bit of a freak in that their fans were very much up for it they played fantastically and two of our most reliable performers had absolute stinkers well, um, I think I just what, sorry but in and say if yeah, there yeah. is a template that Palace have the same players similar players yes. to Newcastle to do the damage yeah yeah, I think I think people will look at that Newcastle game and they'd say the template is probably leave your winger Sam Maximana is similar profile to Zaha high it tucks in behind the full back and then it takes a bit more of a risk uh, defensively but you're always going to have that option on the break and Zaha is very talented fantastic footballer and has damaged us before um, but I don't expect Walker to have anywhere near as bad a game as he did I, I would be surprised if we kept with that system of inverting him um, mm. when we saw how um, how difficult we found it to defend and Sam Maximan did play absolutely out of his skin and I have, have seen Zaha's not a consistent eight, nine out of 10 every week. There are time, plenty of times where the fullback gets the better of him. I, I also think that Palace have fewer dangerous players from wing back situations. So, you know, Tyreek Mitchell and Joel Ward aren't as dangerous as Kieran Trippier, for example. And I think another thing that Newcastle had was just midfield superiority that day uh, in that Bruno and Joel Linton played out the skin and Rodri had a poor game. I would expect us to outclass every team that we play against in the midfield generally. Um, so I, I don't think it's as simple really as play like Newcastle did against City and you'll get something. Because also, as we said at the start of this pod, City could have won that game. You know, it's not often we concede three goals and we had 10 shots on target. Haaland could have scored at the end. Diaz had a couple of free headers. Um, Nick Pope was in unbelievable form. Unbelievable form. And only con- and still conceded three goals. 
so I'm not that worried about it. I did tweet after the game, if we play like that against Palace, then we could be in trouble. But that was more a reference to the player performances and the standard of the actual, you know, Walker and Rodri rather than, you know, if we're on top form, I'm not worried. Well, I do think we'll set ourselves up differently tactically because of the problems Newcastle posed us. Or, this is the start of the season, we've got seven points, we do tend to take time to get going. Or, <laughs> you get three choices here, and it could be none of these. I'll give you a fourth one, none of the above. Or, are we seeing a different city nowadays that perhaps would concede more, but are just now with Haaland in playing the way they are? Or just a, slight, a kind of different side to the one that just looked to suffocate and control in the past? I think there's a couple of things here. So I think the first thing is having Haaland, I think, allows us to play in diff- slightly different ways game to game. Whereas I don't think we really had that option when we were playing the false nine, because I think the rest of the team had to almost pivot around the fact that we were making a bit of an allowance for ourselves up front. Um, I think the other thing on the te- on the kind of like, will it have given Pep something to think about template for other teams point? I think we. I think the, one of the best things about having Guardiola as your coach is he'll have spent so much time going over that game this week, and he'll have been doing all the analysis and have been signed doing the with all the performance boys and kind of looking at um, you know just going over the game and just analysing how and why Newcastle managed to get into those spaces. You know how Jolinton kind of managed to run over Rodri in instances where Sam Maxman got on the ball all that kind of thing that I actually think I, I flip it on its head and say, actually that's quite, I think that's a positive because I think that will allow Pep to study that and be like, right, actually now in training and, you know, grab walk, you know what he's like from watching either all or nothing or any of the city plus stuff that he'll be physically molesting Walker into the correct position on the pitch or telling Roger exactly where he should go. If, some, if something like this happens again. So I do think it's, I do think it's a good thing. Um, I mean, it's it's a similar kind of game that that Palace could recreate, but I do think the big difference for me this season is that Newcastle have got a stronger midfield than Palace, and I think a lot of that actually came down to you've got to put your Sam Maximans in the position to then create this to then create the chaos, and I think Newcastle this year, like I say, in in Willock, Gimaraish, and Jolinton, I think they've just got a more aggressive and kind of forceful midfield than what Palace are going to be bringing. Um, so that's a positive. Uh, but yeah, to bring, to, to bring it back to what you said in the beginning, I do think the big, the big, the big thing about having Haaland is I think it allows us to do what we did in the first couple of games, which is play the wingers wide and then play the fullbacks inside, or then to do a little more what we did um, at the weekend which is like kind of walking in a bit of a half position but then Cancelo really far out wide and then fill a bit more on the inside um, so I just think yeah and particularly now we've got Gomez if he can become an option and a player that actually contributes in Premier League games then I think that puts us in in a strong place because then we can kind of tinker depending on the opposition and, and the kind of players we're coming up against hmm. the team uh no team news from the press conference as Pep refuses once more to provide it because uh, City are trading this afternoon. But Jordan, it's safe to say the team you're expecting to be picked, maybe you don't have a precise one because it's always hard to say, 
but probably the back six at least picks itself and is quite obvious. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Edison, Walker, Stones, Diaz, Cancelo, Rodri, De Bruyne, Gundogan, and then Haaland through the middle. So your choices really are only left wing and right wing. And I'm guessing, given that Grealish didn't even travel to Barcelona, that he's not going to start. Um, so you'd say Foden on the left. And then it's just either Mares, Bernardo, Cole or Julian on the right. And I'm guessing that similar to Newcastle, we'd want that extra cover on the right. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually an unchanged team. Well, with the exception of Ake being injured and yeah. Diaz coming in. Yeah. So Bernardo, yeah, Bernardo on the right wing. Okay. Uh, Lloyd, you'd be happy with that, would you not? The stability, but again, this ties into the small squad that this is a team that's probably not that difficult to pick. Yeah, I agree. I mean, well, from a centre-back perspective, we've basically got two options and they both have to play. Um, and I would have, I would imagine even if Phillips has improved, you know, even if, for example, Pep did want to play him at the weekend, he's probably not going to be in a position. So Rodri will start. So like you say, that's basically the back six boxed. Um, I think the, the only thing I want to, wanted to say on this is, because I think Jordan's right, I think Phil will start, even though he started against Barca. I'm just perplexed by all these City fans looking to bag Phil mm. on Twitter, just talking about how he's a, how he's not developing, poor player, should have passed twice. I think everyone needs to give their heads a wobble and realise this guy like carried us through last season playing false nine. He's already won, I think, four Prems. Um, he's been the decisive guy in two campaigns in the Champions League where we've got very close to winning it. And as Asan always says, and it's not necessarily something I've agreed with as much, but he is more than anyone else the James Milner of our squad yeah. that gets he gets shunted around. And he's still 22 and he's still amazing and he hasn't played that well in the last couple of games and I think everyone just needs to chill the fuck out um, and realise that he is already so good and that's partly why everyone's kind of opinions and then consequently criticisms of him are so high. But I've just been totally bemused by some of the stuff I've read online this week and I think people really need to give their heads a wobble. Totally agree. Imagine if he was playing for Arsenal. He'd have the Ballon d'Or wrapped up in, in August because people would see the actual quality like the scene with Jesus. He's so talented. It's a joke what people are saying. I can't believe people are actually saying that. Well, are they questioning... Sorry, I've not been reading that much on it, to be honest, because I do try and stay off Twitter a bit more nowadays. Are they questioning his talent or are they questioning performance levels? Because they're two different things, of course. And me and Ace have talked about this before. I've seen I, I felt last season was a bit of a wasted one, not because he was terrible, but because he was being used in that uh, false nine and we spoke about we just want stability in a position for him so he can just play in a position and just develop that way so the things that weren't going perfectly for him <coughs> I didn't put down to him basically I put him down to sacrificing for the team but yeah sorry to, to go back to the original question are they questioning his ability or are they just questioning performance levels because form and ability are two very different things well I've, I've seen a lot of people questioning his attitude I think right. I've seen a lot of people questioning calling him out as a selfish player. Um, and I've seen people questioning performance levels and form. That's And that, you know, the last two, I think, are kind of a lot more excusable. Players go up and down. But I think even on the last two, Phil has been probably across the last two or three seasons in, in our top five 
maybe even top three players across those across that yeah. time. So ridiculous. And to to say that he's a selfish player is, I mean, just patently untrue. I mean, it actually it makes you look like an idiot because you clearly haven't watched enough of Foden play football. If that's what you think, yeah, I think even he would admit against Bournemouth he obviously should have passed. But the one against Newcastle, it's very unhelpful to sh- to share like a freeze frame photo. If you watch, if you watch that chance, the the pass isn't really on, and Haaland's not yeah. even really in a position anyway. And actually, I thought it was a right call because often what you can get there is Pope saves it, but kind of parries it towards the back post, and Haaland just like taps it in. So, I've, yeah, I've just been I've just been very very perplexed, and maybe it's this is the modern Manchester City and where we're heading as like a bigger club, and we're kind of accumulating you know, um, fan attitudes where, you know, you're ungrateful after every drop point or no goals and assists. And I think sometimes like fantasy can creep into that. But I just really think people need people that have been saying that kind of stuff really need to give their heads a wobble. Okay, so you've got the pass was on just, but if it hadn't been perfect, then we'd be criticising for not shooting. So uh, it's it'll just have to get used to the novelty that there's often going to be a player stood in a teammate stood in the middle now, <laughs> uh, wanting to put the ball in the net. So because it is a novelty, because but I if that, the thing is, if that was Haaland in that situation and Foden was in shoot, the middle yeah. and he passed, we'd be like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and also, just a separate point: it's so difficult to stand out in our team as an attacker. We, we don't see players do it. The only reason why Haaland's doing it is because he's an absolute freak of nature who is able to basically register a goal or assist with every time he touches the ball. But generally, our attackers do not look like Liverpool's attackers. It's not how we're set up to play. So I, I think people are being so harsh on Phil. And as you say, Lloyd, he's been one of our most important players. And it, when he's not in the team, his absence is felt. Yeah. Back to the match. Just one thing about Crystal Palace, uh, Jordan, I'll stay with you. The obvious threat from then is the counter-attack we've talked about system. Do you think Pep will set something up different tactically? Something completely left field uh, to contain their threat and the counter in this match? Uh, or do you think that a more, you know, putting the full-backs back in the normal position, for example, or keeping Cancelo at least wide... Uh, our players alone should be good enough to to dominate this match, dominate possession, and deal with the counter attack threat. Um, if he does anything to particular to stop Zaha, um, yeah. it'll be so intricate that it'll go straight over my head. We don't we don't <laughs> see Pep change the system to accommodate for certain players on the opposition team. We just don't. It'll be, you know, Walker is the biggest cheat code usually in defending counter-attacks that you can possibly have in world football. Hmm. Generally, he, you know, if I was Wilfred Zaha, the one player in the league I wouldn't want to play against as a right-back is Kyle Walker because you generally don't do him for pace. So I, I can't see him doing anything particularly different. As I've said a few times, Newcastle was more of a personnel not playing to their uh, their best ability issue than, than systematics for me. Um Maybe the only difference would be if we start with a flat back four, but I don't think that would be particularly strange for us to do anyway, seeing as the inverted right back is is relatively new for us. Hmm. And Lloyd, just just on that, sorry, there's actually a video of uh, Zaha on YouTube being asked about the hardest defender he's ever played against, and he says Carl Walker. There we go. There you go, indeed. Uh, yeah, just one extra question, Lloyd. Had the how do you see the game panning out? Will dominate possession, occasional break from Crystal Palace, and ultimately the game will probably rest on 
how much yeah how much we can create in front of goal so that's sound how you imagine it to to pan out with the occasional threat from them that we have to see off yeah well the the usual pal the usual kind of thread of the game when we play palace is they either score early which has happened i think in both of the last games or we've had a bad situation where someone like Laporte gets sent off early and it completely skews the game because obviously they scored, Laporte got sent off and then it's like, okay, we're 1-0 down against 10 men and we've got 75 minutes to go. We still missed a couple of chances in that second half as well. So Yeah, and you know, City are so good, a bit like Liverpool um, the other night when they played against them that even though you're against 10, it often feels like the other team are the ones with 10. Um, but I think it will all boil down to like, yeah, how, how do the first kind of 15, 20 minutes go? Do we look up for it? Do we manage to score early? Or, you know, do they get a goal? Does something like red card-ish happen? I think that it will really depend on that. So I, I actually think it's impossible to say the game the game's going to pan out like this because I think the na- the very nature of the way that Palace approach it means that it's very unpredictable because there is that element of chaos. Hmm. And Jordan, final question for ISV score predictions. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, this is the end now of one game a week. So it's Forest, then Champions League, and yeah, two games a week, most for probably forever. Uh, are, we, are we at the point soon that we see some rotation, i.e., Alvarez might come in uh, for Haaland, uh, Gomez might get a start, or do you think for now he's still going to stick with that core? The 15 players uh, for the for the near future at least yeah I mean he will rotate he said it himself that Haaland won't start every game and you think next Wednesday is probably going to be the time where if he wants to give Haaland a rest then he can do um, and play Alvarez it, it won't come on Saturday because yeah, Alvarez right. played started against Barcelona um, so I guess you could say we've already started the three games a week um, <laughs> but I, I, I am dreading it slightly uh, I know we, we've done fine without a striker over the past two years. It's, well, that's a bit of an understa- understatement. And goals do come from other sources. But I just love watching Haaland play so much that I just know I'm going to have that same feeling when Aguero was, wasn't in the lineup. Mm. It, it, it's just so exciting. I want to go to the games to watch him play at the moment. Um, so from a fan point of view, I just want to watch him. As long as he's not injured, I want to watch him. But I know that he's in safe hands of our medical team and Guardiola will do what's best for his longevity in a city shirt rather than what we want in the short term okay score prediction from you then for the match 3-1 city okay uh lloyd hmm <laughs> i think it's really i think it's really tough um i don't think we'll keep a clean sheet because palace just always causes problems but i do think it will be easier than the last few games so i'm gonna go yeah i like 3-1 but i'm gonna go 2-1 Okay, that's what I went for when I spoke to Dan. So, yeah, I'll take either of them. Though, what, what did he say? Uh, I, I, he, it's in his nature never to predict a loss. So I think he he might have actually gone for a 1-0 win, if I remember correctly. But yeah, he, he he's not going to be predicting Palace to lose. And with their record, fair enough. Uh, but I went for 2-1 as well. I think it'd be a nervy one, but yeah. Uh, it's one of those, it's hard to say. If we score early, it could be. And much more come to afternoon than perhaps some of us fear, but you just don't know. Often, much of it depends on how Palace plays, much as how we play, so or how well they defend and how organised they are at the back. So we will see. 
And if, well, Harland, least, gets, if Harland gets wound up by Anderson, perhaps, who knows? So. At least Andros Townsend isn't playing for them. Indeed. <laughs> or Gallagher, of course, as you said. Right. Time has defeated us. Uh, Jordan, thanks very much for coming on. Pleasure. Uh, Lloyd, thank you very much. Top man. Yeah, that's a wrap. Have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, Stay safe. And as always, up the blues.